Good morning. If you see me grasping the pulpit, it's not because I'm scared. I'm just trying to find my inner zen, and I can only find it if I grasp the pulpit. So I just want to let you know that now. So about two years ago, I got accepted to ENC. And um, my parents told me that you're getting on a plane, you're going by yourself, and sorry, not sorry, good luck, so kind of peace. And I was terrified. I thought, why would my parents send me halfway across the country and not even go with me? And I can honestly say two years later, I'm glad that they did because it taught me just to be able to trust. So far in chapter 19, we have walked a long and difficult path with Elijah. Elijah has come out of a place of loneliness and discontentment. He thought there was no other way but to hide and allow himself to feel scared. The Lord appeared to him and called him out of a place of fear and sadness. This call gives Elijah a new sense of meaning. God gives us a new sense of purpose in our lives when we allow him to put us back on the right track. If we just allow ourselves to come out of the darkness that might consume us and just trust God, in the moments of silence, we are able to reconnect our lives back to him. In silence, we are not consumed with distractions. We are able to truly listen and follow. Elijah went out from there and found Elisha, who was plowing. There were twelve yoke of ox ahead of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle over him. He left the ox, ran after Elijah, and said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will follow. And then Elijah said to him, Go back, for what have I done to you? He returned following him, took the yoke of ox, and slaughtered them. Using the equipment from the ox, he boiled their flesh and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. Elijah's trust in God is the type that we all hope to have. Elijah's reaction to Elijah is one that we all hope to have. I think it would be a good idea to give Elijah and Elisha a little bit of a nickname. So we're going to call them EJ and ES. We can assume that ES came from a wealthy family by how many cattle he had. This shows that accepting the call in his life would cause them to lose great financial stability. Even though ES came from such a wealthy family, it's important to notice where we found him. E.S. was working in the field like many great leaders before him, and after he was showing great leadership and dedication. It's also important to note the way that E.S. was called by E.J. Simply throwing his mantle over E.S., the mantle automatically marked a man as a prophet, a spokesman of God. It's a symbol of sacrifice and commitment. The life of a prophet is not a life of luxury. The mantle represented a man's gift, the call of God, and the purpose for which God had called him. The simple act of throwing it over his shoulders was an understood act that E.S. was soon to be the new prophet. It was simple, yet meaningful. All E.S. was one simple request. It was to be able to say goodbye to his parents. What trust that he has that all he asked was to say goodbye. This request is so honorable, and there is no hesitation, but a genuine respect for his parents. E.J. cautioned to him in verse 20 was to tell E.S. that he had been called to greatness, and it allowed E.J. E.J. allowed E.S.'s request. He said, go back again, and then he added a word of caution, for what have I done to you? 
This statement seems to be a verse that sounds abrupt and even meaningless to us. According to the verse, we might translate it something like, Go back and bid farewell, for I have done something very important to you, but think carefully on what have I done to you. For you, This call is not from me, but from God. The idea is that E.S. was accountable to God for what he did, not E.J. What E.J. had done was to express God's call. What E.J. would become is E.S.'s spiritual leader and mentor. But E.S. must understand that ultimately he was accountable to God, not just E.J. He went back to feed the people and then took off to follow E.J. and became his servant. E.S. had full dependence on God. The lectionary passage for Psalm this week is Psalm 16. This is the perfect example of someone other than E.S. who had full dependence on God. Let me read it for you this morning. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are noble, and whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows, and their drink offering of blood I will not pour out, or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in a pleasant place, and I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel, and the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, and I shall not be moved. Let me say that again. Because he is at my right hand, and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. When the psalmist is in despair, where does he turn? He turns to God, because he does not know any other way. He praises the Lord in every aspect of his life. He recognized that the Lord will not abandon him. He has total faith in the Lord. This type of faith is the ultimate goal, right? To be able to have such a clear sense of faith in God that we trust no one else but him. To be able to leave our family and just follow God without question. To praise the Lord no matter what. This is what E.S. had shown at the end of chapter 19. He displayed such a strong sense of trust and faith. But what happens when we don't have that faith? What happens when this type of faith seems hard to reach? When we cry out to the Lord for help, but our cries don't seem to be going anywhere? where we feel like we're crying and screaming to ourselves, and we feel like we're stuck in a place where no matter how obedient and faithful we are, we remember how faithful the Lord has been. So we try not to lose hope, but we're in a place where we don't know where direction to go. We're on a long road. We could go left and follow the Lord without doubt. We're on a road where we could go left and follow the Lord without question. This path looks like Psalm 16. You are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. Or we could go right, which is a path where no matter how much, we still have doubt and can't help to try and control our own life. As much as we try and control our lives, we always end up falling short. We doubt because we can't see. We doubt because we have no roadmap in front of us. We find ourselves asking questions like, why? Why are we in this situation? Why is this happening? Why, why, why? 
I think the self-doubt and the lack of hope is an easy place to fall into. It's easy to see our life and world and think, all I see is destruction, so there must not be good at any coming out of this. How would you respond next time? Our relationship to God is like our relationship to our friends and family. But like our relationship to God, it has its ups and downs. There will be its low points, and there will be its high points. God is always there, despite our feelings. That's what we can depend on. We need to hold on to his past deeds, but the emotions will come, sometimes caused by what we ate for dinner, like burnt chicken nuggets, because those are gross, or sometimes caused by personal tragedies, like what happened two weeks ago in Orlando. The emotions will come. The psalm is telling us that we need not be governed by those emotions. The emotions will come. We can't let the world, we can't let the enemy work in this world and destroy our reliance on him and trust in him. When we are faced with this, we need to remember the solid rock of God's faithfulness and to know that even when we don't sense his presence, even when we don't feel his love, he is there. This is where God would come and call you out of the cave. The cave never ending on us, he calls us out of the cave. What cave are you in today? Are you in a cave because you're lonely? Has the feeling of loneliness caused you to want to hide? Being a part of a community is one of the many ways out of that cave. Or are you in a cave because of an addiction? Is there something in your life that has complete and full control over you? Finding support and community to help you find a light out of the darkness. Or are you in a cave because you're busy? Your life is just so much full of stuff that you have no time for God. Allowing yourself to step back and breathe is a way that you can get out of that cave. God has a plan for us. Like the plan he had for Elijah, he has a plan for us too. Not all of us are going to be able to quickly and without hesitation respond to that call. God, like Elijah, but we are not to lose hope. It just means that we are slower at reaching the end. We are all called to be followers. We are all called to be faithful followers. Because out of silence, we are to follow. One of my favorite quotes is by Martin Luther King Jr. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the full staircase. Is your first step going to be a hesitant one? Is your first step going to be the path to the right where you must have control? Or is your first step going to be a firm step in faith? But no matter what, that staircase leads somewhere. But with God in control, you have the same peace and purpose that he has felt. Let us pray. God, thank you for allowing all of us to have a path. And no matter where it leads us, I just pray that you just let our eyes always be upon you.